All right. Coach, let me ask you a question real quick. Have you ever heard of the evangelist Billy Graham? I have. Okay, so Billy Graham once said that a coach will impact more people in one year than the average person will in a lifetime. But I like to take his quote and I like to, you know, bring it up a notch. And I'm going to say a, a, a good coach, a good mm -hmm. coach will positively impact more people in one year than the average person will in one lifetime. So listen, I'm your host, Coach P. And I'm excited about highlighting good coaches. We got a good one here today. So let me tell you something that good coaches do. They dedicate their time. They dedicate their energy. Sometimes they even dedicate their money into pouring into young people day after day, month after month, year after year. Here at the Coaches Co-op, we highlight good coaches. And I already told y'all, man, I got a good one today. The Coaches Co-op has officially made it to the West Coast. All right? So... Let me let me introduce you to today's guest. I need y'all to meet Caesar Smith. Who is he? He's a basketball coach and athletic director at Sacred Heart Cathedral Prep in San Francisco, California. This brother has nearly a decade of coaching experience, was all over Texas. Listen, he's had stops at Klein Collins, Wisdom, Westfield High School, Southwest High School, and even coached swimming at East Central High School. In 2020, he returned to his alma mater in California and took over the basketball program in 2021. Under his leadership, the Sacred Heart Cathedral Fighting Irish won the Central Coast Section Open Division Championship in 2023. Put your, your virtual hands together for Coach Caesar Smith. Coach, how you doing today, brother? Oh, I appreciate that introduction. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Man, again, thank you for your time. So I asked this question before we started recording. And, and the thing I asked was like, you know, you're at Sacred Heart. So I say, Coach, are you Catholic? And your answer was yes. So I want to ask this, man. How many, how many rosaries have you said in your lifetime? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Rosary's confession. I mean, it, it runs the gambit, brother. It's 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 part of um, just the cornerstone of who I am is my faith. So uh, it's those things are just a, a, a just practicing my faith just reinforces it and allows me to be centered in life and to understand who I am in this world and and where I need to go. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff, man. So. We dive right in. We dive right in. So, Coach, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us a little bit more about yourself so those who will be watching and listening can get to know Coach Caesar Smith just a little bit better. Okay. Well, uh, I grew up in San Francisco, California. I, uh, my mother was in, in uh, law enforcement, so I was raised by my mother. Uh, I ended up going to Sacred Heart Cathedral Prep, where I work now. Um, I was a... Uh, two-sport athlete. I ended up choosing basketball and focusing on basketball. After graduation, I attended uh, City College of San Francisco, uh, a junior college here in the city. Uh, after that, I attended uh, Sonoma State University, which is about an hour north in Roner Park, California. I played there. And after graduation, I moved uh, for a year up in Oregon. Uh, I lived in Corvallis, Oregon, and worked at Oregon State University in admissions. Uh, the vice president of student affairs 
he, Dr. Roper came to my office one day and said, kids, you're wasting your time. You need to hurry up and go to graduate school before you get old and get a family and get kids and all that. So I ended up applying to school. I attended the University of Southern California. So I moved to Los Angeles to attend there. After graduation, was in, about, in corporate for about five years. Uh, and then the, the crash happened, 2008. So it was decision time. And so I'm, I'm thinking about going into uh, law enforcement like my, my mother was. I'm thinking about all types of avenues that I could choose. And I had a friend that actually lived in Texas and they were a teacher. And they said, well, why don't you move to Texas? And, you know, my first reaction as a Californian is for what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. my mother's originally from Texas. My, my father, he grew up in Texas, but his family's more from Louisiana. And so I thought about it and I said, you know, what, have I, what do I have to lose? So uh, I drove, uh, took the I-10 from Los Angeles. I applied for jobs in Dallas and Houston. And Houston was the first to call me back, which was great because uh, that's that's where my mother's originally from. So moved down there with my mother's family. It was a great experience just to get close to all of them. And that's how I got into teaching and coaching. And pretty much the rest is history. And that story really formulates who I am. I'm just willing to take chances, willing to follow uh, what God's path is for me. And I ended up on top. It, living and working in Texas and teaching there, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about uh, the power that, that coaches and teachers have and influence uh, to just really help direct an entire generation of people. And I will always say that I grew up in California, but Texas raised me uh, in terms of who I am today. There were so many values and uh, just a great experience that I had just being around uh, just really good people. Okay. So that, that that's pretty much who I am. Okay, that's good. So I'm going to rewind just a little bit because Coach talked about, you know, he was being a two-sport athlete, um, and he ended up choosing basketball. But Coach was a hooper now, all right? So this brother was on a championship team in 95, 96, all right? So then he was – he didn't just go to City College of San Francisco. You know, he's being real humble. He was an all-league player at the city college. All right. So then he told us that he transferred to Sonoma state and he was the defensive player of the year at Sonoma state. All right. So, so I just want, I, I need y'all to understand that as well. That coach wasn't just a, a player. Coach was a hooper. He wasn't just a player. He was a hooper. So I mean, I want to make sure that I, that I threw those things in there. Um, <clears throat> so coach, so you kind of, you, you told us your story. Um, and I actually, I learned some things, right? Because we've known each other for a while now, right? Um, it, it's been a while, brother. We've, we've known each other a while. So yeah, yeah. So it's been a pleasure. You know, so I learned some things. So before 2008 and the crash happened and you have to, you know, to, to really decide your, your new career path, had coaching ever crossed your mind prior to that? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, during the conversation, one of my friends, they mentioned coaching. And I said, well, I don't want to coach because uh, I'm thinking I don't want to get paid. Two, three thousand dollars, at least that's what it was in California time to, to coach. I'm just coming off a corporate job. I want to go to a place where I can actually eat <laughs> by going yeah. to work every day. And they said, no, well, in Texas, you know. Coaching, coaching jobs are aligned with teaching jobs. 
So if you're willing to, to, to teach, uh, and if there's something you really want to do, you may want to consider it. So that phone call happened on a Saturday. I thought about it Saturday night, and the weirdest thing happened. Something just, I felt like my, my calling was just to go. So I packed up everything I could fit in my car on Sunday. Told my roommate, hey, I got the last month of rent. I'm out. And it really was on faith. I just got on the I-10 and kept driving. Man, that's so, <laughs> that's And all that happened, and I get to meet, you know, brothers like yourself, and it just ended up being the best decision I ever made in my life. So, come to Texas, you end up coaching, and you say it was the best decision of your life. Paint a picture for us of how that accelerated for you. Because I'm, I'm looking at your your bio that you sent me, and I'm looking at the, the certifications and the memberships and all of the opportunities. So, man, kind of talk about that a little bit. Kind of paint a picture for us and how, on faith, you get on I-10, everything is in the car, and then from there, man, your, your career path just accelerates. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it it really is all the people that I've been able to cross paths with. So... At first, you know, applying to jobs in Texas, I took a California mentality of I was applying online. And I'm like, I'm not getting any hits back. And so <laughs> one of my friends who was a teacher says, stop applying online, take your resume and walk into the school. And I bet you they hire you on the spot. So I took my resume. I walked into Klein Collins High School because that was one of the, the high schools that uh, had a job posting that was a little bit late because I didn't move there until maybe November. And there was a principal, Randy Kirk. He looked at me. We just had a conversation. It, wasn't, it had nothing to do with education, nothing to do with teaching. He just wanted to find, find out who I was as a person. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to go ahead and move forward and hire you. And I said, well, you know, I don't have any experience teaching. He said, I'm not worried about teaching. I'm worried about what kind of person you are. I'll teach you how to teach. But the culture of this campus, it, it could use you. And so I started teaching, had my first class. You know, it's November now. I didn't get a setup time. Right, right, <laughs> right. So they put me in the classroom, developed some great relationships, and November's basketball season. So I go to the games naturally because I love basketball. And uh, Coach Scott Harmatuck sees me. I'm always there. And he said, do you want to come coach? And so my very first coaching job at Klein College was volunteer. He let me on the bench and I started contributing and coaching. And the story kind of goes from there that I constantly ran into people that would just give me an opportunity from uh, Scott Harmatuck at, uh, at Klein Collins. I got involved in uh, grassroots basketball with Marlon Lowe in, in Texas pro uh, met Jim Hicks. He, I think at the time I had gotten a job in Houston at Wisdom High School and Jim Hicks calls me one day and says, hey, do you, do you want to coach at, uh, feel like coaching at Westfield High School? And at the time, you know, Westfield was, was good. And I said, sure. Uh, hooked me up with Van Price. Van Price believed in me, gave me an opportunity. So it just it just kept going that, you know, felt like these people were put in my path and now in my story and every opportunity that I had, I just took advantage of it. Whether it was, hey, you should probably join 
the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. I did that. I've been a member for 11 years. Met countless high school and college coaches from around uh, the country. So with every step and every opportunity, I try to take advantage of it as much as possible in terms of being open to the possibilities. And it's, it's paid off every step of the way. That's good stuff, man. From a guy who just wanted to eat <laughs> to the athletic director at Sacred Heart in San Francisco. All right, coach. How, you know, through meeting all of those people, you know, how did you develop your coaching philosophy? How did how did you develop your own identity in the type of coach that you wanted to be? Because you mentioned some names. You mentioned some names, right? You know, some 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 outstanding names. You know, Harmatuck, guy who's still coaching at Collins, successful. Van Price, successful guy. Um, you mentioned the name of Lowe, a guy who I don't know personally, but I know of because of his success. He's got a son that can hoop, 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 right? So we know yes, the name. Yes, he can. Um, Couple Jim of Hicks. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, Jim Hicks, another guy who is a, a mainstay in the local hoop scene in Houston. So through, and I'm sure those are only just a few of the people. So how did, you know, from all of this input that you're getting, how did you develop your coaching philosophy? And then what is that philosophy? Well, it, it, it's a culmination of just taking pieces, bits and pieces from every experience that I've had, whether it was with one of these names that I mentioned on my own as a player, it really developed into just being a player centered uh, coach and a player-centered person and more than player because I was a, a classroom teacher a student-centered person where in my classroom everything that we did revolved around the students uh, learning style uh, the students uh, passion for learning and you, you you've been an educator for a long time as well you know Bloom's taxonomy it was meeting them where they are And I did that because someone once did it for me. And so in developing that philosophy, it really just came down to my philosophy is that my goal is to have an impact on that person on the court and in life, essentially. That's the the short version of it. Because it has to be bigger than basketball. It has to be bigger than sports because you have a unique opportunity to impact a person that may one day take their experience with you and help the next person along because none of us gets anywhere by ourselves. And so in doing that, it really just kind of breathed life into my coaching career and how I approach things. It's putting that person in position to be successful, putting that person in position to shine. And for me, I am a firm believer in being someone else's cheerleader. I like to put other people out front. The most, one of the most impactful things that happened to me is I read a book called Mandela's Way. And one of the parts of the book is kind of like, you know, Nelson Mandela, you, you, you get out of prison, you end up being president, and you have to leave a country where a large portion of the population once wanted you dead. Yeah. How do you do that? How do, you, how do you negotiate that? And he said he leads from behind. He empowers other people. He 
doesn't want to be the face of everything. He wants to empower other people to make great decisions and he guides them along the way. Therefore, they feel empowered. They buy in because it's not just him. It's all of them. It's a community. And so in having that philosophy, it's done. It's worked wonders for me in terms of my relationships with a lot of the students that I've interacted with and a lot of the adults that I've either worked with or worked for. That's good. What's the name of that book again? Mandela's Way. Mandela's Way, Leading from Behind. That's good stuff, man. I'm going to tell you, this is this is off base. This is really my ADHD talking right here, okay? <laughs> so when you mention Mandela, you know, and we know, man, he, he spends 27 years in prison, right? <clears throat> and his wife, Winnie Mandela, stays with him the entire time. Mm-hmm. Mandela gets out of prison and they divorce. Mm-hmm. C- craziest thing, man. I don't, that has nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> that's my ADHD. But when you start talking about Mandela, man, that's that that's running through my mind. Uh-huh. That 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 is neither here nor there. That's completely in left field, man. A- ADHD brain. <laughs> Coach. All right, man. So uh I had I had uh Billy Goffney on who is now the head coach at Westfield. And we talked about oh, this, awesome. man. We talked mm-hmm. about this. We talked about the Mount Rushmore of coaches. So wow. who is on your Mount Rushmore? Now, listen, this doesn't have to be like, this is your personal list. So this is this is your personal list. You don't have to choose, you know, from just famous people or whatever. So who would you put on your Mount Rushmore of coaches? Well, number one, I would put Coach Brooks um, from Lamar University. He has served as a mentor for me for a very long time. And why I put him on the Mount Rushmore of coaches is that I feel like he's a person I interacted with that no matter who it was, he never big-timed anybody. He always had an open door, always answered his phone uh, for whatever you needed, always told you the truth and gave you advice. Uh, I just really respect that. And – He's definitely part of my Mount Rushmore of coaches. Okay. Uh, I would also put uh, in there Coach Celestine, who was at Clark High School in San Antonio. Okay. I've I've been around a lot of basketball. That man has done more with less than any other coach that I've seen. Every team that he had was always competitive, and it – it was just a pleasure to watch. And I, we didn't know each other personally. We knew each other through different basketball associations. Uh, but he's definitely one of them. Uh, I would also have to throw in there, um, ironically, Van Price. You know, we, we don't communicate like we used to. Uh, you know, life happens, but... Uh, I learned a lot of defense from him, and I still use a lot of the things that I learned from him every single time. Uh, I'm throwing Marlon Lowe on there uh, simply because I've never seen a person with stronger relationships with players ever in my life. And um, that's great. Where am I? I'm at four. Yeah. I guess five, right? It's five presidents on Mount Rushmore. Uh, man, it's yeah, his, this is listen. We, this is your social studies teachers getting messed up right now. <laughs> this is your Rushmore, so however many you want to put on there. Um, I would say that the 
the final one that I would put on there is my high school coach, um, Coach Tim Burke. Uh, people can argue all day about, uh, you know, who's who's the best coach and who who has the most wins and all that. But Coach Burke, to me, was one of the best people I've ever met in my life. He, I couldn't tell you now, I was 15, 16, 17 years old. I can remember, I can't remember 10 things he taught me as far as basketball. But I can definitely remember and understand what he taught me about being a man. That's good stuff. And that will forever resonate with me. And we still talk. We, we, we had the pleasure of working together uh, for a year uh, before he retired. And so uh, he's definitely on my, my Mount Rushmore. That's, that's a good list, man. Look, and, and while you were talking, I was writing all those names down because I'm coming for all of y'all. I will be reaching out to all of y'all, man. You know, just this is this is the coach's co-op. If you know what a co-op is, that means there's something here for everybody, right? So everybody, I want to get all these coaches on here, man, to, to make a deposit so that those who watch and listen, man, can make a withdrawal because coaching is a profession of sharing. That's good stuff, Definitely. coach. Man, that, that was Appreciate good stuff. That. that was good stuff. All right. Coach, we're going we're gonna to get ready to, to pivot in just a second. But before we do that, man, I have to do my little, my little spiel. So listen, if you are watching on YouTube, so there's a like button, there's a subscribe button, and then there's a little notification bell. I just need you to hit all of those, right? And then if you're watching, uh, not watching, if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. If you're listening on Spotify, wherever you listen, man, just go ahead and follow the show so that you can get the updates every time we have a new episode coming out. So I appreciate you. Like, share, subscribe, notifications, all of the above. All right, coach, check this out, man. Do y'all have a shot clock in California? Do y'all play with the shot clock? We sure do. We have the shot clock. I actually played my final two years of high school with a shot clock. Hold up. Hold up. What year did you graduate high school? 1998. We, this brother played with a shot clock in 98. We're still having the debate about a shot clock in Texas. Now, here's what we did do, right? We don't have a shot clock in Texas. However, we, we just got rid of the one in one. Okay, so we're going to, which, which personally, I thought that would happen before we got a shot clock. You know, so we're going to five, Five fouls, two shots every quarter. I wish they would have given us the opportunity to advance the ball at the end of halves because nobody has a play. I'm going to be honest with you. From a coaching standpoint, I don't have a full court out of bounds play with, you know, with, with, with short time on the clock. For what? Mm-hmm. Uh, in my, I mean, in my opinion, like, yeah, we can work on it, but it's going to be luck either way. True. So I'm going to call my 60-second timeout. I'm going to scribble something on that board. We got to throw it long. We got to catch it, and then we got to be able to shoot it. Come on, man. Ain't ain't no Christian Leitners where I am. I, and I coach young women. You know this. You know this. So, you know, no Randy Mosses. At least I haven't had one yet. Um, and then not only do you got to throw it long, catch it, shoot it, the ball got to go in the basket. It does. So <laughs> that's the name of the game. Okay. So anyway, man. So uh, how many seconds is on the shot clock that y'all playing with the Cali? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Okay. Um, 
So in a game, and I'm just I'm thinking about logistics. So y'all got a three mm-hmm. three man officiating crew. Yes, for varsity games. Yes, for varsity game and a shot clock operator. Yes. Okay. Um, is the shot clock operator somebody? Do they come in with the officials, or is it somebody who's working your table? Is one of your table workers? It's someone who's working the table. Okay. So, man, how, how is it? I mean, it's it's, it's like just, any it's other normal, setup, right? Yeah. It, it's just normal. It's just you have an extra person that knows how to press a button. Essentially, they don't really need to be trained heavily. But hey, every time it hits the rim, press this button. Uh, every time, and we have a setup to where our game clock, when our game clock stops, our shot clock automatically stops. Okay. So it's it's easy. I mean, there are times. I think at this point, we have a student that does it for the most part. They're trained wow. on how to do it, and they just press. You're literally asking them to press a button. Okay, so you're an athletic director. So this is this is my two cents. I don't know how close or far I, I am from this. So I think the biggest hurdle for us getting a shot clock in Texas is is funding. You know, so because now because I'm thinking like, OK, now we got to install shot clocks. Right. So we got to be we, yes. we got to do the installation. We got to do the wiring and we got to do this at every let's say they just pilot it on the 6A level. Right. Mm-hmm. So now every 6A high school in Texas has to have a shot clock. So it's got to be installed. It's got to be wired. And they'll leave it up to whoever to, like you said, a student is, is doing the shot clock or whatever. So mm-hmm. am I off on that? Because I think I think that's the biggest issue. I think it's a, you know, an infrastructure issue, a funding issue. I, I think that's one of the issues. I think uh, funding is real. And, and with uh, shrinking funding, I mean, it's budgets never get bigger for the most part when it comes to education. Right. So it's it's going to be difficult for those startup costs. But the everyday cost of running it, it's slim to none. Uh, also, when you have a shot clock, you're actually operating technically out of the NFHS rules. And so when you operate outside of that, you know, it, we, it'd be a whole nother podcast on the logistics of your voting rights and all of that uh, in terms of the national level. So there's another layer to it that most people don't understand because they're not on the uh, administrative side in the background of NFHS and how it relates to rule changes on the national level. Um, but I would say those are two huge issues because you don't want to make a change in basketball and you lose a vote in football. You don't want to make a change in basketball and you lose a vote in volleyball or whatever the case may be when it comes to rules that put your students in a position to uh, to operate on a level playing field with everyone else. Okay. And, and you said that's a whole nother podcast. So that just means I got to bring you back so we can talk about the other side of the game. Okay. Right. Because, you know, as we get into, you know, after you've been coaching for a while, you know, you start looking at some of those other things, right. The things that you don't necessarily consider, you know, when you're a young coach or when you're just getting into coaching. So that just means I got to bring you back, man. All right. Sounds good to All me. Right. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna set up a date at another time, and you know bring you back so we can talk about all the other stuff. All right, man, check this out. <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna pivot here. All right, so we're we're getting down to the end. We're almost into crunch time. Okay, but before we get to crunch time, um, how good is y'all's baseball team there at Sacred Heart? 
our baseball team is traditionally very good uh, each and every year. They're competitive. Uh, Sacred Heart Cathedral baseball team, is the, it's the oldest sport at the school. Uh, we have okay. Major League Hall of Famers. We had a couple of uh, kids last year that ended up signing national letters in tent. We have a kid that's committed this year. So our baseball program always uh, is competitive. And our league in general uh, is one of the best leagues in the United States, uh, in, especially in terms of baseball. So uh, you have a lot okay. of major leaguers, a lot of Hall of Famers that came from our league. So it, it stays very competitive year in and year out. Okay, good stuff. And the reason I asked you that is because we're going to play a little game of Pepper. All right? Okay. So we're going to play right. a little game of Pepper, man. So I'm going to throw some questions at you. We're going to go for 30 mm-hmm. seconds. All right? So all right. I'm gonna, the first question I'm going to ask the time will not start until you answer the first question. Okay. Okay. And then when the timer goes off, then I'll ask you the last question. All right. So this is a little game of pepper. This is what we do right before we get into crunch time. You ready, coach? Let's do it. All right. I got 30 seconds on the clock. Here's the first question. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? The ability to time travel because I would have uh, the power to influence and change uh, history. Okay. All right. We're on the clock. Favorite movie quote. Wow. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, Godfather two Hyman Roth. This is the life we have chosen. Okay. Do you have pets? I have a dog. Her name is Darby. Have you ever, would you ever skydive? No. You rather work or play? Work. Drive or fly? Drive. Okay, I had to ask because you got on I-10 from Cali to Texas. And that's a hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, that 30 seconds goes by so quick. All right, so here's the last question. No time. There's no more time on the clock. So this is the last in the, the bookend question. Do you have your own Netflix account or someone else's? I have my own Netflix account that I share with other people. All right. All right. Good stuff right there, Coach. Coach, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you playing that little game of Pepper, man. All right. No here problem. we go. So, Coach, now, man, we're, we're in the crunch time. So, crunch time goes four, three, two, one. The four is four quarters. So, I'm going to ask okay. you four questions. All right? Okay. Here we go. First quarter. If you could be anything other than a coach, what would you be? A teacher. I mean, I've been a teacher, but it's it's literally the exact same thing, just a different venue and a different. Uh, it's just a different classroom. Okay. Second quarter. What's the easiest thing about coaching that nobody really knows? Handling criticism. That's uh, the easiest part about coaching. Okay. Because you, you, you know that those people in the crowd or watching or tuning in that are criticizing you, they have no idea what's going on. And it's just it's laughable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's the toughest thing about coaching that no one really knows? Coaching coaches. Uh, your assistants, uh, the people on your staff. How, it's day in and day out. How do you teach them to be better coaches for the the kids that we have? That that professional development piece is the most challenging part about being a head coach. Coaching kids, I mean, you know, people usually grab their mom and their dad and, hey, we have a team. But understanding how to navigate and, and really 
move an entire program forward. That means not just the kids need to get better, the coaches need to be better. And so that's a difficult part that most people don't understand. That's very good, man, because if you have never led other adults, you know, that's that's that can be tricky. You know, that can be tricky. You have to lead other adults. Coaches, coaches are leaders. Coaches are leaders. And a lot of people have yet to realize that. All right, coach, fourth quarter, who has the tougher job, coaches or officials? Officials. If a coach wins, everyone loves him. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. Everybody hates the officials. It's a shame because they work so hard and they're regular people and people just give them the business. And it's like, you know, this 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 man or this woman has just worked from nine to five, got off, tried to grab something to eat to get here on time just so we can play this game. And you have nothing nice to say to them. Even when something goes well, it's supposed to go well. You know, you don't you don't cheer on the re- good job, referee. Great call. It's it's the entire stadium. They, think about it. What other profession do you have to run after it's over to get to a safe place where you can just sit down? So hats off to officials. If you have a chance to be an official, anyone out there, go ahead and be one. There's a shortage nationwide. Uh, so, yes, officials have the toughest job. But I know I appreciate them. I know you appreciate them because without them, we can't we can't have these opportunities for our kids to learn. That's right, man. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, man. I am uh, every year I try to get up better with officials. Um, this year, I thought I was pretty good. It, it, with the, There was two instances when I didn't think I was very good. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like Jekyll and Hyde, man, because I'll be like, come on. And then they'll come by and stop it and play. And I'll be like, hey, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> and my assistant coaches will be looking at me like, man, what is wrong with you? I was like, y'all, I'm, I'm I'm, you know, these guys do have a tough job. I'm, I'm really sorry for yelling. Like, who who wants to be yelled at? Nobody. Who wants to be yelled at? Nobody. You know? So, so, so I literally, man, it, it was an older guy. And uh, it's a sub-varsity game. And he is like, he is controlling the game. And I'm like, dude, my, my our JV coach this year, you know, was on maternity leave. So I'm coaching the JV as well. And and I'm just like, come on, man. Let, let the kids play. And, and he, when I tell you, man, he was so cool, calm, and collected. And he he just, he was just like, coach, that's not necessary. Man, I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad. I felt so bad. So when he came back through, I said, man, I'm sorry. It's my bad. He's like, coach, I, <laughs> see, I've been doing this a long time. I said, I know, my, my bad. All right. Coach, that was four quarters, man. That was four quarters. All right, so now we're down to three. This is three in the key. Coach, give us three things that all coaches need. Three things that all coaches need. A mentor, a mission, and a why. A mentor, a mission, and a why. Okay. If I need a mentor, how do I go about seeking out a mentor? That's where joining professional organizations definitely comes in. I, I'm a firm believer in the NABC. I was a member of the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches uh, when when I was in Texas, um, part of the California Coaches Association. So it's really joining professional organizations and networking and figuring out 
you know, who you fit with. And I always say, choose a mentor outside of your organization because you have to dump somewhere. It can't be with your boss. It can't be with your coworker because that, that gets messy. So find someone who is willing just to lend you an ear once in a while and to help guide you uh, in terms of your decision-making and, and, and find a safe place where you can do that. And so it took me years to have a mentor, but I mentioned Coach Brooks uh, has been a great mentor for me. Uh, my junior college coach, Harry Penisopoulos, uh, he would have been, you know, he should be on my Mount Rushmore as well. They, when I call them, they just listen. It's, it's not telling me what to do. It's, they tell me things I need to think about, but it really is finding that safe space and take your time in doing it because it's important for that mentor to truly understand who you are. So don't rush into it and, and seek, seek professional organizations in other places. And as for, you know, if you, if you're working on the staff, ask any of them, you know, who would you recommend? So it really is just a networking piece. Coach, that is some of the best advice I've ever heard. Some of the best advice I've ever heard. So young coaches, if you're watching or listening, or matter of fact, man, if you're a veteran coach, I need y'all, this is where you go back and you rewind or or scrub back and y'all go back and listen to the advice that that brother just gave us, man. All right, coach, that was the four and the three. Now we're down to the two. This is two shots, two shots. Coach, what are two of the most foul things that you have experienced as a coach? I think overall, a lot of things I've seen can fall into these two. Number one, the professionalization of education-based athletics. That is foul. So all of you adults that are on message boards, uh, that are commenting on social media, um, remember this, the kids that you're commenting about are their kids. They're someone else's child. They're not professional athletes. They're not built to handle the criticism, nor should they have to in terms of you don't know what that child goes through. You don't know what what their mental uh, state is, their their level of wellness and self-care. You don't know those things. So words are powerful and they impact, especially our younger generation. So that is foul to me. The professionalization of education-based athletics is completely uh, and utterly ridiculous. And I would say the second thing is the perpetuation of the no days off mentality. Uh, On social media, you see, well, this kid chose to go to prom over uh, going to a workout or, you know, they have a a tournament this weekend and they no, they need to be kids. They need to have their proms and their dances and they need to go play other sports. And they need to hear a different voice, experience something different. They need to spend time with their families. They need to read a book. (laughs) They need to have this process of learning who they are. Because if they don't, we're going to grow adults that have no purpose and don't know how to find their purpose, that don't know how to love themselves, that will end up being bad relationships, whether it's with friends, with, with a potential spouse or partner. We're... We're turning them into sports-only people that may end up truly being doctors, lawyers, politicians, educators, uh, uh, 
military personnel, law enforcement. You, you may be turning a person that loves computers uh, into a person that, you know, has to spend all the time with basketball. I remember during the draft, uh, when I was a Texas pro, we had a kid, Jared Allen. He now is um, uh, in the NBA. And I remember talking to some, like a, there was a GM, <laughs> I'm not going to name his name, but he was concerned that Jared liked computers too much. That he like, because Jared used to like to take things apart and put them back together. He, I mean, kid's brilliant. And he was concerned about his dedication to basketball. And I get that in that instance, but we're taking a microcosm of what happens to one person and now applying it to all these kids who will never, ever play professional basketball. And we're taking that development piece away from them. So they're going to be criticized with the professionalization. You, you make them concentrate on, on, on one sport or, or one task when the world should be their oyster. They should travel, they should see things, they should find new hobbies because all of that makes them uh, a person that we wanna work with in the future, that will own a business in the future. And this basketball thing is a short time in their life that we have the benefit of interacting with them and helping them grow and teaching them life, but it's not all about the pro contract. If it happens, it's a lucky piece, but. Let's use our, our power and our influence of uh, this, this position we're in and be transformational coaches and not transactional. That's good. That's good stuff. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. So, you know, summertime, it, it, of course, we're here in Texas, so we do strength and conditioning. It, and one of the things I tell my kids is like, hey, you can't sit around and do nothing all summer, right? But I don't want to see you every day. You better go on vacation, you know, like because because parents. So we're, we want to be highly competitive. Right. We're trying to build a mm -hmm. highly competitive program and in teaching our kids and parents some of the things that are necessary in order for us to be highly competitive. You know that sometimes the parents don't know they're a little confused. So do we do we have to come there? No, you don't have to be at everything. You know, it, this is the summer. <laughs> this is the summer. You're a, you're a kid. You got to go on vacation. I told the kids. Um, this was our last day before we had, I think it's the, like the last day of June or whatever. And I told the kids, I was like, eh, I might, I might see y'all before school starts. And they were like, what? I'm like, listen, y'all need a break and I need a break. So if we don't see each other, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. before the time school starts, it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's absolutely okay because the chances of them going pro in something other than basketball is tremendous, mm -hmm. you know? So yes, go to, go to camp. I got a kid who I, I want to say she's in France right now. She goes to France every summer. And um, I just tell her, Hey, listen, go to France. Right. But you know, you got to find somewhere to, to, to shoot a little bit or put a ball in your hand. You know, if you're going to be gone mm -hmm. the whole summer, you know, just hoop a little bit. They hoop in France. You know, mm -hmm, they sure do friends, you know, but go, you, you got to go, you know, you got to go. So that's good stuff, coach. So for those of y'all watching and listening, if you haven't picked it up yet, this is, you should be picking up on, this is how this brother went from being a coach and a teacher that no, let me, let me back up. This is how this brother 
talked to somebody on Saturday, packed his car up on Sunday, got on I-10 and ended up in Texas and then walked into a high school with his resume and got a job. This is how he went from there to an athletic director because this this brother is dropping wisdom and gems. And the, the key to being wise is, man, don't wait until you're old to be wise. Don't wait until you're old to be wise. And then Coach Caesar Smith is wise beyond his years. He's dropping a lot of gems. All right, Coach, we're down to the end. The last thing is and one. What's one thing that you want to share? It can be anything before we exit this interview. For all of you coaches out there, and we use these, these terms all the time just because we've been in the game a long time. But remember, these are not players. These are kids. And they're kids who happen to play. That's really it. Everything you do should be centered around enriching someone else's child. You have a unique position to be transformational in that child's life. That's why I said you need a mentor, you need a mission, and you need a why. Because if your motivation is nothing other than enriching that person's life, you're in it for the wrong reasons and you should probably go do something else. Make them or help them make the right decisions with their own lives. Create a situation where you can empower leaders. And at the end of the day, make the kids miss the game. Because right now, because of our environment, kids are more in love with what the sport brings them than being in love with the sport. And that's not their fault. It's us as adults to create an environment to where they can be a child, they can be a kid who just so happens to play. And if if you don't know what your why is, find it because it's important. Your why helps you create a mission of what you're going to accomplish. And that mentor, make sure that you do not default from that mission that you set for for yourself. So go forth and impact lives. Be transformational, not transactional. And with that, the final buzzer just went off. I got an idea, so I'm going to have to add a little final buzzer. Uh, sound. Man, Coach, that was excellent. Good stuff. Good stuff. Listen, everybody watching on YouTube, again, like, subscribe, get the notifications. If you're watching on Apple, you can't watch on Apple. You can listen on Apple. So if you're listening, man, give us that five stars, right? Listen on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, follow, do all of these things. Man, this is the Coach's Co-op. We're making deposits, so that others can come behind us and make withdrawals. We're building bridges. Today's guest dropped gems. Nothing but gems. Wise beyond his years. Coach Caesar Smith from Sacred Heart in San Francisco. Coach, man, I truly appreciate your time today. Well, uh, I, I, I thank you for allowing me to be on here. Uh, I am very grateful that we have the opportunity to speak. Uh, from everyone here at Sacred Heart Cathedral Prep in San Francisco to you, uh, thank you. And hopefully we have more time to talk soon. So I appreciate it. Definitely, you. definitely, man. We just got to pick up the horn a little bit more. All right, everybody, we're getting ready to get out of here. I'm Coach P for Coach Caesar Smith. I just want to remind you that coaches do what most people can't. Until next time, y'all be blessed. <laughs>